Hello, this is the Sensitive Matters Podcast, a podcast bringing empaths, perceptive people, creatives, unique projects, and sensitive matters into the spotlight. Join us for meaningful conversations that inspire and have the power to gently create awareness around sensitive and important matters such as mental health, conscious consumerism, sexuality, spirituality, ethical business, and much more. I am Christina Zipperlin, founder of the ethical jewelry brand Ananda Soul. I'm a highly sensitive human who values community, creative and spiritual exploration, and ways to make a positive impact. I'm also a psychology student and mental health and LGBTQIA advocate. We're tuning in from the magical island of Bali, where I've lived for over 12 years and is the home of my jewelry company that strengthens and gives back to the local community. Thank you for joining us for these conversations as we, together, explore sensitive matters. And now, enjoy the episode. Hello, and thank you for joining us for Sensitive Matters. This podcast is brought to you and made possible by Ananda Soul Jewelry. I created Ananda Soul in Bali over 12 years ago to offer heartfelt, intentional jewelry that works with the community I grew to know and love on the island that has become my home. Ananda brings creativity, respect for Balinese ritual, and a wish to give back to the local community to everything we do. To learn more about our story, ethics, and to receive $15 of your first order when you sign up for a newsletter, head over to anandasoul.com. Bodies come in many shapes, sizes, ages, and stages of life. As humans, we are often exposed to standardized perceptions of what a beautiful, strong, and healthy body and their features should look and feel like. Whether it is our own self-talk or the judgment of others, we easily find ourselves caught up in narratives that are not serving our sense of well-being and self-worth. This is why we created a precious little project that emphasizes individual stories around the human body and our everyday life with it. Welcome to a very special episode of the Sensitive Matters podcast. Her Stories, Life in a Female Body, is a series of episodes in which we have interviewed an incredible mix of inspiring women who stand for their own definition of beauty. Sophie, who also goes by Sophie So Free, is known for her catching sets as an ecstatic dance DJ and a true warrior mama. In today's episode, she shares her story around her relationship with her body, what it was like to grow up with a model as a mama, and how the birth of her daughter Mila has changed her life in the most profound and challenging ways. Hey, love. I will just invite in. The exploration, the curiosity, the the teachings, the learnings around what it's like to live in these 
human vessels in this particular lifetime. Mm-hmm. And so to start with, I'm curious, like, what does it feel like, that human vessel right now? Mm. Well, when I tune into this moment, I'm in a beautiful space with my beautiful sister. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I feel really grounded. I feel really connected. You know, it's been a journey, of course. I'm two years postpartum. And I feel more connected with myself than I have in a really, really, really long time. Mm. These two years have been mm, lifetimes and lifetimes, (laughs) as you know, as I've received so much unwavering support from you through it. But I'm grateful to arrive in this place now, knowing that there's continuous ebbs and flows. Tomorrow might bring something else, but today I feel well rested. My baby slept through the night. Thank you. <laughs> so that's that's how I am today mm. in this moment. Mm. <laughs> Yum. Thank you. I'd love to bring in the idea or the word of beauty or beautiful. And I'm curious, what's like the first thing that comes up for you when I say that? I think it's changed a lot over time, you know, for me of what beauty really means. I think in the, as in my younger years, it's probably something about the external appearances of something. But beauty to me is a feeling now. It's about the energetics. And to me, like when I say, oh, that is so beautiful. Of course, there's moments where it's about, you know, the beauty of a flower and the colors and the textures and sensations. But as I journey through this life, it's more about a feeling like kindness is what's beautiful. Compassion, generosity, that's it. Beauty to me is something that moves me from within and it's usually um if it moves my heart it's because the beauty is coming from someone else's heart so it's more of an energetic than an actual um appearance or aesthetic mm-hmm. yeah and you said it's changed over the years right Can we journey back a little bit to that younger version? Yeah, that younger version. Well, I I feel like I was really blessed because my mom was super beautiful. She's still really beautiful. Um, She was a model in the 70s. And I grew up with her photo books around. And that was my favorite thing to do was just like go into the photo book covered and pull everything out and look at all these newspaper clippings and advertisements and things that she was involved in. And she was, she was small. She was a, she's Chinese Singaporean. So she, she was a small model amongst all these really tall Caucasian models. But at the time in the seventies, like voluptuousness was celebrated like big hair and wigs and, and, you know, they even had like, she was modeling the pointy boobs at the time and, and just, but she was curvaceous. And so my, my upbringing with all those books was actually, that was my benchmark for what beauty was. 
And um, my dad, my dad is very obvious when he's, when a beautiful woman walks by, he's just like, whoa, <laughs> there's nothing hiding it. People are usually a bit more subtle about it, you know, but he's just like, would you look at that? <laughs> and <laughs> and he, he, he always also admired women that were more voluptuous and and he would say oh she's so skinny you know and he would make comments like that so actually my upbringing was very much about um appreciating the body in its more juicy voluptuous state and i also noticed like you know all my partners that i was drawn to were were men that really celebrated the feminine body in the different shapes and forms and so I think I had a pretty healthy start with that. And then, of course, in high school, I was um, in, invited to be part of a modeling agency and two of my best friends also. So there's there's three of us and the other two became super, super anorexic. And um, I just I couldn't join in i was like i'm so <laughs> i love food so much and and i did i just didn't find skinny beautiful um but of course that's not what the modeling agency wanted they they wanted me to lose um five more kilograms but i just couldn't and and i remember just kind of standing in that and and saying actually i a i don't know how these i, I just never really resonated with that i wanted to be accepted for how I was. Um, and I just, I never really got onto any kind of diet fads or anything like that until actually I got, I wanted to get pregnant. And, but it's, I, I got onto a diet fad not to lose weight, but it was to get pregnant. I had all my life been told that I wouldn't be able to conceive, you know, and very in my teenage years, in my later years, all the way up to three months before my pregnancy, I had a gynecologist say, look, you've got very few eggs, you're probably going to have to do IVF or go to some, you know, um, assisted method. And luckily, I had a, a shared beloved of ours, Bex, tell me, look, you only need one egg if you've got a few eggs you've definitely got one of them in there so one of them is gonna work and um and then i'd heard about keto diet um and and how you know all the fats and the meats and how that was good so, to support your hormones so i actually have only ever committed to a diet because i wanted to fatten up <laughs> for to get pregnant and when people would ask why are you on such a weird diet i'd say well it's it's to get pregnant and 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 that's the only time I've ever really been committed to something like that but I'd say just you know as I reflect upon it I'd say I've had a pretty healthy connection with my my body and it's it's thanks to having you know role models in and and especially I think from what my parents did I don't think they did it consciously you know, it really, really left an impact on me. And I, oh, if I see a more voluptuous woman, I'm like, that's beautiful. If you got a big butt and big boobs and big hair and big juiciness, I'm like, oh, that's beauty. Mm. You know, just more, more of everything, more personality, more authenticity. That's beauty, more giving, more service, more, that's, that's beauty. That's more confidence. That's what I feel is when I, Oh, you're a beautiful woman. Mm.
Mm. What a blessing to be gifted that so in a way effortlessly, right? Mm -hmm. Like even being in an environment where, you know, two out of three like got influenced in that way or like mm -hmm. cracked in that way. Mm -hmm. Yay. Yay. Yay you. Yay your soul too. <clears throat> like standing tall in that. Mm-hmm. You spoke to the journey of getting pregnant and you went through pregnancy and I'm, I'm wondering of how becoming a mother has changed your life. That's a very broad question, um, but I'll leave it open in that way, but also your experience of your body. Mm. Well, if I go back to when I first found out I was pregnant, it was, and, and I found out not through a test, I found out just through a feeling of in my body. I actually had to go into quarantine for 14 days um, because I wanted to surprise my mom for her birthday. And so I had those 14 days by myself. And I have to say it was one of the most beautiful, profoundly spiritual times of my life because I, I knew that I, I, I was carrying finally. And it was just this love and appreciation for my body to have basically created a miracle after this time that I'd been told that I wasn't going to be able to conceive. So there was a, an appreciation. And then of course there's nausea and so much discomfort and um, so many initiations to go through through that first trimester. But I loved my body pregnant. I loved witnessing the blossoming of everything, um, of my thighs, of my boobs and my belly and my, I mean, it's, it's nature does something cool where, you know, th there is a certain glow that happens, right? When you're pregnant and your hair gets fuller and your skin starts to brighten and glow. And so I, I do cherish those, that feeling of when I was pregnant. Um, I, just, I, I did love how my body was changing. And I also loved the reflections I was receiving because I, I'm, was also in a culture like Bali that really celebrates pregnant women. And then I also went to Hawaii for my honeymoon during that period. And they also really celebrate women. And just there's something that happens when you're pregnant. People on the street just go like, congratulations, you look so beautiful. And, and it's, it's just such a precious time. And, um, and then I gave birth and I had a really, 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 um, you know, traumatic experience with my birth. My daughter was born blue and she essentially was in a coma for, for about 11 days. And you're incredibly woven into this story and supporting us during that time. Um, but then my, my experience has shifted like significantly in that point. I mean, that's one of the most trans formational pivotal moments of, of my life and um where you know when i was pregnant my plan you know we all have these grand plans of how things are going to go but my plan was to embrace my changing body to eat as much as i wanted to to um not be one of those bounce back personas you know this is a weird thing that's happening on social media right now where it's like three weeks postpartum and let me just show you my bounce back photos or a few months in and there's so much pressure on women right now to just be back to their regular bodies where we're actually no you're you're you just gave birth to life and you're here to 
nourish your baby and that's what you need to focus on is taking care of yourself and that so i i went in with my plan to just not have that bounce back and take as long as i needed to to i, I was like just, if you feel heavy and juicy and but that's perfect because you are providing the nourishment that you need but i had the opposite experience because i had you know an extremely traumatic entrance into motherhood i um because i was separated from my daughter she was in the niku um i of course you know experienced uh, a lot of confusion in my body of the separation with her and then a lot of depression and a lot of grief so actually i didn't want to eat and it's the first time in my life where i didn't want to eat usually if i'm emotional or sad i'm i'm in a, i like to eat food to mm-hmm. to support myself and i had other girlfriends were like i can't eat i'm i'm not feeling good this was the first time in my life where i was like i have to force myself to eat in order to have enough energy to get through this and i just remember cuz i was trying to um get enough breast milk cuz that was one of the things that was really uh really difficult because of the emotional aspect and being separated and her not latching so it was just i remember eating cookies and drinking as much um ayurvedic tonics that i could and kitchari and you know eating as much as i could but really forcing myself to it wasn't from a place of uh hunger it was a place of just like you need to but the, all i want to do is be in bed and cry um and because i was never really able to breastfeed after i tried my best for for 6 weeks and gave her as much of my milk as possible um i I ended up just surrendering it was it was too challenging that I actually said you know what I this this experience is a lot of course I'm super disappointed that my body is not doing what I want it to do but the kindest thing I can do for myself right now is to ask for help is to ask I I have 13 amazing mamas giving their milk to Mila and she's gotten sick once in her 2 years cuz i think she just got all these incredible um just foundations from these mamas and i just said look this is already so tough just like decide that formula is the best thing um for her she's got all these amazing vitamins and probiotics and prebiotics and just decide that this is the best thing for her and i had to do that and of course there there was a lot of you know disappointment and shame with my own self for not being able to do that but at the same time i was like just bring in kindness that's that's what's being called for right now for this this chapter mm-hmm. so from from then you know i think the journey from motherhood has it's not so much about body image for me it's more been about um yeah moving through depression and moving through like self self-hatred self-loathing shame guilt um really intense negative talk and 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 being a humble student through it being like wow i've never experienced anything like this in my life it's incredible that our our bodies and our psyches can 
go through something like this, uh, I could simultaneously be in the emotions and the intensity of it and also stand back and be like, wow, mm. the unveiling of the feminine heart and the mother heart is just incredible. Mm. So I was both a witness and both like in it very, very mm. deeply. Mm. Thank you, love. Thank you. Mm. You know, fully aware these these things come in waves, right? But for the most part, when you were just speaking about some some of the experience of depression, the, the shame, the, the grief around it, you do use past tense. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious in this incredibly challenging journey through that. And, you know, I'm hearing just your incredible wisdom to even through it have that capacity to become the witness and then mm -hmm. go back in and become the witness. And I'm curious, what was the transition out of it where you're at a point where you are using past tense? Well, I, it ebbs and flows, right? I think, yeah. I think especially with grief um, in particular, it's not like there's one fix that comes in and then it's done for me it's been um you know dips and then coming back up and dips and coming back up and dips and frustration wait i've been here before i have come out of it already how am i back here again um so there there isn't you know one particular thing i feel like it's a culmination of a lot of humility and a lot of learning and um i would say like it takes a village to raise a new baby and it also takes a village to support a mother through postpartum whether or not she's going through just like a joyful postpartum or a postpartum depression um there are so 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 many tools in each of those dips that i used and i'd say like the the biggest thing you know the the kind of overarching umbrella through all of it was that i was asking for help in each of those moments because i i i had never experienced anything like it trauma for the first time depression for the first time and i i reached out for help i was reflecting on this and actually i reached out for help a lot during many of those points and i think that is the difference you know they say it's the difference between doers and dreamers are the ones who actually ask for help but i also think that's between the ones who are suffering and the ones who are actually doing the healing are having the courage to say i know i i need i need outside support at this point because it helps so much to be able to just be held to be able to speak whatever is a is alive um and for someone who's experienced and wise and skillful to be able to just hold you because no matter what i would always feel uplifted it's just it's not so much even about the content of what i was saying but it was just i needed a place to be able to express everything and sometimes when we don't have that support it just gets embedded in our in our body in in our womb in in our heart and and i knew that that's not what i wanted i uh, luckily i've had enough experience where i knew i had to move those emotions otherwise i wasn't going to be strong enough for my my baby and my family um 
So I asked for help many times. I asked, I mean, my husband was definitely incredible support and space holder. Um, my sisters, you, <laughs> um, and, and then eventually, I actually wish I had gotten this sooner, but I did get a therapist. Um, but I, I do see how if I had gotten it earlier, it could have expedited the process, actually. I, I had also, you know, this was new. I'd never had a therapist in my life. And uh, I really, really now see the value of, of just having someone who's an outsider, who you can just bring all this stuff to that you wouldn't necessarily want to share with your partner or your girlfriends. It's, it's stuff that's really intense. Um, I also had my journal, you know, I had, I wanted a journal and I told my husband, I was like, this journal is a place where I need to purge everything. Please never open up this journal. Cause I, I, I need to welcome everything right now. I need to really, really just allow everything to move through. And I want to have a space where I can just purge. Um, and not be judged for it because everything is momentary, right? I, I might feel this way in this moment, but tomorrow I'll be different. And the next day will be something else. But um, I feel like being, being able to have these really safe spaces where I could just purge was really important. And I mean, of course, I'm in the school of music as well. Like... I'm an ecstatic dance DJ, I'm a musician, and music has always been my medicine. And I did a lot of work with the combination of microdosing with plant medicines and music at the same time. It was, I was like 10 days into, while well, Mila was still in hospital, and I was just drowning in bed. And my husband just came in and he put headphones on me. Um, and he, he put some mushrooms in my mouth, some psilocybin mushrooms, and just said, you have nowhere to be right now except heal. And that was a really pivotal moment because it, it, it helped me come back into the space of, of, of trust. It made me remember the interconnectedness of everything, remember the miracles that are abound in every moment. It, it gave me the higher vantage point of uh, like the bigger picture. And I could see all the miracles that were actually happening and taking place and that I just really needed to ride the waves and trust it. And there are so many miracles. I mean, and, and they keep, they keep, uh, appearing it's hard to ignore them um and and that's what really really keeps me keeps me in the flow mm -hmm. yeah mm. <laughs> little milagros <laughs> and yeah and then i'd say like uh, the third thing is just like falling in love with my baby that was it's been a process because we were separated but then the more i fall in love with her, the more I fall in love with motherhood, then, then all that other stuff becomes smaller. It's like, it's like, I imagine it as this big cup, right? And, um, initially all of this gunk is taking up space, but now all these more beautiful memories are starting to take over in this cup and fill this cup where the other gunk is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, 
And so I, I'm just intentionally like really bringing more awareness to the miracles all the time and being like, I'm putting that miracle into this cup. I'm putting, wow, that memory, that unforgettable time with our family together. I'm taking a snapshot in my mind and I'm filling it in this cup. And eventually over time, that cup is overflowing and the, the depression or the, that, that sadness just, it has less room to be because there's more love in this cup. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so happy also <laughs> to know, you know, that you are, yeah, to feel you in this way. Mm -hmm. um, you spoke to, you know, those really difficult moments when we have a certain vision, an idea, we make a plan <laughs> and, um, you know, birth plan, it, it, it doesn't have to be tied to pregnancy per se. It's like we, we're just really, really... Um, attached to this certain idea of how it will become yeah. and then sometimes life comes in and gives us something completely different and totally. those and for you you know there were a few reiterations of that of then the, the breastfeeding and the wave after wave what would you say to somebody who is more at that point who is at that point of like nothing is how it was supposed to be And I, I cannot really access what you're speaking right about right now of like there being miracles or mm -hmm. you know, like cultivating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing I needed to hear most at that time, which very few people were telling, very few people were not in this space, I think, because they didn't know how to respond at the time. Um, I would say it's okay to not be okay. So if a mother is in this place and it's just completely gone awry, um, it's okay to not be okay. Yes, everything is as bad as it seems. And just allow that person to just fully, fully be in it and validate it so that they can just experience the fullness of it, the profundity of it. And I, be, and I say it knowing because it's always breakdown to breakthrough. Um, but what tends to happen is that people you know immediately want to, to want to help and want to give the silver lining but i would say it's okay to not be okay you are so supported you are so loved we're all here for you that's what i definitely had and that's um i always knew that there was a village there and 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 these are just words that make such a big impact on a on a mom at the time and We love you. We're here for you no matter what. And just to keep reiterating that to a mom and just let her go through her natural uh, unveiling and mm -hmm. unfolding and really the initiation because the initiation into motherhood is, it can be easy for some and it can be really, really challenging for others just because so much change is happening. Sometimes it's not going according to plan, but that would be my line. It's okay to not be okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you, babe. Mm. <laughs> I have one last question. Bringing in Mila a little bit, your daughter. Yeah. Curious, what wisdom, what beliefs um, would you like to pass down to her around beauty, around her body? Mm. Mm. I mean, really what I wish to impart on her is just to, 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 
first embody what I want her to feel, right? I want to be a mother that's um, soft and graceful in nature, but also soft in my body. Um, and, and also one that's always connected to my body. So I want to see her, I want her to see me moving all the time, dancing, you know, singing, um, being connected with loved ones and just um, feeling the generosity and the love flowing between everyone. And um, I want her to see, you know, an incredible amount of love exchanged, particularly with my husband and, and our son. And just that, that's, that's beauty, right? Um, and, and kindness expressed into, with every person that, that comes into our family. And, and for her, just, you know, because she has really unique challenges, you know, she, she has cerebral palsy. So her, her, she's rewiring her connection to her body. Literally, she has come into this earthly plane with incredible amounts of disorganization because of the trauma she went through. So she's reorganizing, rewiring her body. And just that everything she does is a celebration of the miracle that it's even happening. So I want her to just, just feel like she is. A, her name is Mila, Mila, which means milagros, miracle. And, and that everything she's doing is a miracle. And it, it's coming from her, her soul and her soul's journey and, and dharma. And um, that she's just so strong and capable and incredibly intelligent and beautiful, no matter, no matter how she is. We know she's going to be unique uh, uh, and different from everybody else. Um, but that's what makes her, that's what makes her special. And, and that's really kind of the message I want her to know is that there's just unconditional love for, for however she is ends up expressing herself whether her whether she's able to just purely express herself um if she's unable to express through words that we can understand her through just deeply attuning and, and listening to her and that and that everything she does is is just truly a miracle from that comes one more question. What has Mila taught you so far around your own body and this life? Oh my goodness, what a question. What has Mila taught me about my body? And around that idea of beauty. Of this mm -hmm. Okay, just give me a moment mm -hmm. too. There's so much to share. Um, so Mila you know, for the first couple of months of her life, she was a pretty uncomfortable baby. She was crying a lot. She was just uncomfortable in her body. Her nervous system had gone through so much. And because of the disorganization, she wasn't able to really express in the way that she wanted to, right? And we were really fortunate and blessed, like another one of the miracles that came along our path, to be guided to this center where um, they focus on supporting babies with this. And, and she was already three and a half months when we, we got there. And I said, 
look, she hasn't smiled yet. She hasn't had her first smile or laugh. And this is really difficult for me because I don't know whether she's actually receptive to me. Like I'm being as silly as I can and I'm giving all my love, but I'm, I'm not sure if she's, she's really like getting it. And they said, don't worry about it. Like just get her in. She's going to start, get her body moving and organized and she's going to start smiling and um, laughing and she's going to sleep better and be happier. And we flew to Northern California and we had that first session and on the dot, you know, after the first session, she had her first smile. She laughed that first week. Um, she slept really, everything they said that was going to happen, happened. And that was just a reminder for me and in my body is like, um, is like, that's what happens when we move. That's what happens when, because every, so much in yoga, uh, for example, or Tai Chi or Qigong or just even movement, it's coming back into realignment of our bodies and our nervous systems. Um, and that's what it helps us be happier, more joyful, more peaceful. It helps us sleep better, helps us think more clearly. And so by witnessing that happen more and more and more in her, while the more organized she's getting in her movement, the more clear she's becoming, the more sharper and more alert, so the happier ultimately. And that it's, it's of course like some things I knew, but to really, really see that and the, the, the night and day experience of it in her made me even more realize the importance of me connecting with my body um, in this time to bring in that, that joy and that lightness. And, you know, in postpartum, it's not always easy to go to the gym and make that even 30 minutes for yourself initially, because you're, you're going through sleep deprivation. But I was like, just move, you know, in these early stages of postpartum, the, it's not about completing a full class or anything. Just move in some way, and that is going to just bring bring more joy into your your day, and just take the edge off of you know anything that you're that you're going through. And Mila, of course, I mean it's incredible that I gave birth to her. Sometimes I look at her, I'm like, wow, my body did this, and and I have appreciation that my body created this creature, this mysterious, <laughs> incredible creature. And, you know, um, and I'm constantly like in this phase, I'm, I'm just really, now that I'm two years postpartum, my focus is just more on how can I f feel uh, the best in my body. It's not so much about looking the best. Um, it's, a, it's about how can I feel healthy and vital and strong so that I can show up with joy for each member of my family. And I'm really grateful that I have a husband who just like really, really knows that my body is, is changing throughout the month. And he's always reminding me of how beautiful I am. And with aging too, you know, like he's like, you, he always tells me you're going to be such a beautiful woman like in your older years and i think um having more more positive talk around you like that and with women as well for us to also say that to one another um 
is is what can support us have like a more positive relationship with our body mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you love thank you <laughs> amazing is there anything else that still wants to come through yeah i there's one more thing that i'd love to share is um you know there was a there was a point during my birth where mila had come out and she wasn't breathing and it was very very clear that she was either going to choose to be alive on this earth or choose to um go back or go forward wait let me say this again (laughs) okay there's a really really clear memory i have of when i had finally given birth to her i'd had a natural birth and she emerged and it was very clear that she was not breathing and blue and and that she was in this life or death moment and i remember the space that i was holding for her i remember there was no ounce of of panic or fear or anything i that it was more my my midwives that were in this um dance of of trying to bring her back to life actually one was very much i had a western midwife that was very very much trying to save her life and i had one balinese midwife who was like just send her back to earth um so i i i do remember being in the surrendered space and witnessing kind of this play happen between the two cultures but I also remember just really, really holding this, this space of unconditional love and trust and um, whichever way I just, I trust that this is meant to be. If you choose to live, we're going to love you with all of our might. If you choose to go, I, we're going to move through that, you know. And um, I remember having a therapy session kind of moving through a lot of fears kind of around medical complexities and stuff that I was really worried about. And she brought me back to this place. And um, she said, Sophie, this is, this is your blueprint. Like when you're in that space of full, full trust and surrender into this school of life, uh, with humility, that that's your blueprint. It's like the blueprint you came in when you were born as a baby of just like full openness and wonder and curiosity and surrender. And then now to give birth and, and feel that. And, and we worked on integrating that um, feeling of, uh, of openness and really welcoming everything, whatever it is, I welcome everything. And this is something which I think is really important for for new mamas. I know that it, everyone will have it at their different stages, but that that feeling of of saying yes to the mysterious school of motherhood, like once once you check that pregnancy, yes, that's your acceptance letter into a mystery school, really. And um, and there's so much surrender in that. And at some point there will be a true feeling of like, okay, I surrender to this soul. I surrender to this new path. And, and that when you come into that full authenticity of what that is for you to really breathe into that, because that's going to be a blueprint that's going to support you through motherhood. And, and it's something that I go back to often because it, it encompasses 
not just like the singularity of a, of a moment and being in the mental space of, of an issue and fear, it actually helps me um, feel the bigger picture and, and be open to, to life and, and what it's bringing to me. I, and ultimately, I chose this. So what is, um, how, how can I surrender and see more of what this unveiling is and, and show up to it with a full yes. So I guess I want to share that because I feel like that's something that's important for mamas like in, in the early postpartum stages is to come back to your blueprint, come back again and again and again and again and, and really just like trust that this is whatever is given to you is exactly what you're what your soul has chosen, it's exactly what your child's soul has chosen, and to ride with it, and, and, and that a lot of learning and beauty is going to come from it. Mm. Thank you for letting Thank me Thank you. Yeah. Wow. What an honor. Mm. Mm. I love you. I love you. <laughs> Thank you for being my sea star. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for Sensitive Matters. If you haven't had a chance yet, please subscribe on Spotify, Google Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast from. And if you have a chance, please rate and review if you're listening via Apple Podcast, as it really helps more people discover the show to listen to these incredible conversations. This podcast is brought to you from Bali and made possible by my ethical jewelry company, Ananda Soul. You can check out our website and all of our ethically handmade jewelry at anandasoul.com. You'll also receive a $15 gift card on your first purchase when you subscribe to our newsletter, so make sure not to miss out on that as well. Thank you again for joining us, and we look forward to sharing more of Sensitive Matters with you.